This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So I drive up to them and they go, hey, there's wolves up on that hill. And wolves and car is super rare. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I pull my binoculars out and I just see this one black flash move by because it literally had moved right as they told me where it was and I got up to them. So I'm like, well, I, I can see this valley where we can kind of see them. There's two antelope running. So I'm like, I bet you they're going to go where if I drive up this spot further up, I can see them really well. So I drive up there, pull my binoculars and that, like they're about 1,100 yards. And boom, there's just one jet black ginormous wolf just sitting in the middle of this field kind of just standing there like what's up boss i'm i'm, I'm the big man and i mean he is big dude that's crazy. real big like that's he looks like, like a freaking full-grown deer that's like bucket list right there just yeah. seeing something like that holy cow yeah yeah it was incredible oh you got her dude she's down Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Fall Obsession Podcast. folks welcome back to another fall obsession podcast episode driven by our friends over at the ridge rock hunt company and we will talk more specifically about them uh, in the sponsor segment at the end of the episode i am sam with fall obsession your podcast host appreciate you guys tuning in on here with a couple of good guys this evening recording with me our media production manager nick powell is back on the podcast welcome back nick hey thanks glad to be here yeah, buddy. And we're also sitting here once again with Tim Burgess, pro staffer from Colorado. Welcome back, Tim. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Good to be here. Yeah. Happy to have you guys back on here. I know we're all kind of coming in after a end to our seasons, basically. Um, a, lot of, a lot of stuff kind of concluding, and we'll probably get into a little bit of that. Seems like the time of year to be talking about that. But, um, Tim, I'll let you kind of 
kick it off. I know you just had a trip up uh, doing some elk hunting up there in Colorado. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and kind of what you experienced up there. Yeah, so I drew a, a special elk tag this year. Um, they're for car residents only, where basically you, it's called Ranching for Wildlife. So basically you get to hunt a private ranch. Um, there's like 15 of them in the program, depending on the species. Some there's as few as like one ranch, but um, basically you put in it, you get a better chance because obviously you're out there by yourself. Um and ended up having seven tags issued for the season I got. So they're all cow tags. So really not much competition. It was, the ranch was like 14,000 acres. So we pretty well had a good chunk of ground to cover. Wow. Um, and so, like, going in, it was sound like it was going to be like, the best deal ever. You know, late season, the cows, the elk are moving like crazy. Um, the herd, so this ranch is northwest of Craig, Colorado, which is way up in the northwest corner of Colorado. It's the home of the largest elk herd in the world. Um, it's like 100,000 animals. It's ginormous. It's crazy how many elk are up there. Wow. Um, so you're like already in a good spot. And I've hunted up there probably like eight times, seven, eight times now with no real success, but usually just because of number of days out. Uh, like when I hunted there when I was a kid, my dad would be like, we can hunt Saturday and we can hunt half a day Sunday and come home. You know, and the elk season is 10 days for a reason because they're either moving or they're not here because you're hunting big migrating herds. So if it doesn't snow, you're kind of screwed. But if it snows, you can have a really, really good time and see a lot of animals. So uh, as part of this, you have to get up there a day early and have like a meeting where you find out kind of how everything works, what the rules of the ranch are and all that. And sign paperwork and all that kind of junk that you do every time you do like a waiver type hunt. So um, I had to do that on Friday. It's kind of a mess dealing with that. So Wednesday night, my brother and my uh, finds out, he hangs out with my dad. We find out on Thursday that my brother has COVID and my dad was supposed to go with me. So my dad's like, well, I can't go, obviously. I'm like, yeah, I don't want you going, you know, whatever. So like, I love you, <laughs> but I, I don't want to get this and bring it home and, yeah. you know, whatever. Everybody can say it's not a big deal, but sick kids is the worst thing in the world. I definitely don't want two sick girls at home. So yeah, for sure. That wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So I tell my wife and she's like, well, you can't take either of our cars then. So you have to find a car to take because you don't want me to take our cars, which is fair because it's kind of a mess up there. It's a long ways and stuff happens. There's elk and deer and antelope get hit by cars like every five minutes up there. So, you know, there's a chance you're going to ruin your car. So uh, my dad's like, you can take the truck. So we like worked out this whole deal where like he left the keys in the truck and like air freshed and killed everything, set it outside. And then I went and picked it up like an hour later and like windows down and then air, you know, killed it with all kinds of wipes and crap. So that was Thursday. And, you know, I've got to get up early and head up there because I have to be up there by four. And at this time, the road, the main, there's like three ways to get there from my house. The, the fastest way, which is about four and a half hours, the road's closed. There's a, a pass near Steamboat Springs called Rabbit Ears Pass where it goes up over this mountain and there's a bunch of, um, it's way up high and just terrible whenever it snows. And of course it's closed because it had 27 inches of snow in like two hours wow. on Wednesday. Isn't like it ended up like 36 inches of snow in a couple in like a two day period is nuts. Well, luckily, uh, Friday morning comes around and whatever, and I work a little bit in the morning, get off 
late. Something happens at home. I had to deal with a sick kid for a little bit and mess with that. Ended up leaving like an hour and a half later than I had planned. And it was like, if I drove fast and the traffic was moving, taking the long way, which goes through Rifle, Colorado, which is you basically you take I-70 way out almost to Grand Junction and drive up a back way from there is like that way is like i'm gonna be like within five minutes by the way the gps works so basically you just have to not stop no matter what just go 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 get there well i find out when i'm like stuck in traffic on the way up that the other way opens i'm like okay well this way is two hours shorter i'll be okay so end up getting up there after all the shenanigans with traffic and roads and everything uh about 2 30 checking on the hotel get my stuff dropped off, go out to the meeting place, do all that. And then I uh, kind of just take, go head back to town, grab some dinner and go to bed early, you know, cause it's like 45 minutes, 40 ish minutes from my hotel to this ranch. So I want to make sure I'm there obviously before first light and everything kind of get an idea. And they, uh, they had plowed basically. So the, how the ranch works is you, a bunch of gates off of the County roads. And then of course, everything's drifted snow. I mean, the snowpack is anywhere from like ankle deep to knee deep plus, everywhere like wow. anything off the road is at least ankle deep but most likely it's probably more in the knee deep range in that night we're supposed to get two or three inches of snow which is going to be great because it'll put fresh fresh powder on the top and you can see the animal you know new tracks and everything really good especially on the road because the road's in good enough shape that you can drive it without too much trouble and maybe a four wheel here and there but it'll make it great to to see what crossed the road and whatever and that's how you basically hunt the elk here is you kind of drive around and find them and because obviously you can't hike too far with knee deep snow right. and it's you know you're going up and down hills a thousand feet up thousand feet down to go two mile go a half mile and you know you do that once or twice you're okay but you do that all day long you're dead <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> so, that's, that's interesting too to think about because you know you think about elk traditionally you think about elk hunting and you think earlier september october months and stuff like that there's no snow yep. on the ground late season obviously and, and I'm, I'm saying it because i've never really thought about it it's a whole different uh -huh. ball game so that that's that's interesting for sure yeah, and I I didn't even think about bringing snowshoes. Um, like I said, there are seven other people that had tags. One of the guys didn't even show up, so that says something. But um, two of them, there's a uh, like guy and his son in law, his son in law or something like that. They both brought snowshoes, and they uh, they were able to go a lot of places we weren't, and we weren't allowed to bring ATVs or anything like that. But you were if you drove it on the county road. But they didn't say that in the rules. Like the rules were not great, and so like I definitely if you're gonna do one of these, call the people and ask a lot more questions questions than I did. I kind of went in blind and I'll get into that a little more in a minute, but <laughs> these guys brought an ATV with tracks on it and that's what it took because like basically two of the county roads they didn't even plow so they had to use that to go down the county road not oh, even like holy cow so it was like a whole mess um just to get I, around like the main road was fine and then like we could go to about 10 percent of the ranch from the road and the rest you'd have to hike in like five miles which you can't do at all yeah yeah i got a question tim uh, yeah go for it you said one of the guys didn't even show do they have a have something that they do for the for that tag or is it just go kind of unfilled well i think it just goes unfilled if you turn it back in so the way cry works if you turn your tag back in early enough i forget the exact dates it's like 45 days you have the option to get it's either 45 or 30 days i can't remember you have the option to get either your points back and this hunt 
took me three points, and I think everybody else took two or three points, which isn't a ton, but that's three years of not of either not hunting or drawing a lesser tag to right. get to go for a cow. You know, it's not like it was a bull or anything. The bull tag took nine points. They have a few bull tags wow. for the same thing. It takes nine points. So, you know, you're looking at basically ten years before you get to go for a bull tag. Yeah. By the time you start playing a fort and everything. So, um, if you turn it in life, you can get either your points back or your money back, which obviously as a resident only, what's 50 bucks? It's like less than 50 bucks for an oak tag. I'm going to take my points. Yeah. Obviously, right. you guys, if you did it and it was 700 bucks, your wife's going to be like, you better take that money. <laughs> uh, so, for sure. Uh, so, you know, especially if you had, if you only had like one or no points invested as a non resident, like, yeah, you'd take the money all day because. You know, you can you can figure that out pretty quick. With otherwise, your wife ain't gonna be too happy with you. Right. Uh, if you're too late turning it in, you uh, they don't even like they don't give you anything. So you just eat the cat, eat the eat the money you so, put into. Yeah. So if you if something comes up and you get whatever, you need to let them know right away. You have to like actually go to an office to turn it in. So it'd be like a non-resident, probably be a huge mess. But you know, I think you can mail them too. But obviously, if you need. You're at day 35 and you got to get it returned. Hey, Southwest might be cheaper than <laughs> overnight shipping. Yeah. Right. Right. So just a heads up there for people. Well, anyways, so uh, Saturday rolls around. I get up and hotel has breakfast at six. So I'm like, I'll get up. I'll have the car packed, have the truck packed it before that. And then I can just go grab some breakfast, eat real quick and head out there. So we drive out there and it's snowing still, which I'm like, okay, it's no big deal. You know, we only got about an inch, inch at the hotel. So I'm like, perfect. Just enough to dust everything and see what's going on and driving out. And of course there's like one, the main road is roads, County road seven. And so I'll probably talk about seven and 17, a bunch between this. But anyway, so road seven is the main one, basically from my hotel all the way to the ranch. And it's the only one you can drive on, either, like basically past the ranch in any way. So I get on it and drive, and it's pavement for like the first ten miles, and there's ten miles of not pavement before you or dirt before you get to the the uh, ranch. So I get to the keep going and whatever, and I'm like, well, I'll just be the first one. And they they plowed a little spot for us to drive up and meet on the day before basically on top of this one hill where they have like a impromptu shooting range set up anywhere from like 300 yards to I think the guys at the first phone was 1500 yards with steel plates. The two guys that did it were both PRS shooters that are like the outfitter guys that run the place. So that's what they, you know, obviously set up for them and just kind of had it there. And they cleared this hillside with a skid steer force and said it took like 15 hours or something. But oh, at the time I was like, yeah, that's no, that, whatever. We're, we, can, we can get back up here tomorrow. We drove up here today. The entrance to the snow is not going to cause a problem. So I get to that gate and I get it open and everything, get in, get through, no problem. Cool. And right now it's like just starting to get, we're probably just about legal light. And it, and it was cloud, like overhead clouds and then low fog. So kind of in the middle, you could see if you're up high enough. But if you were down in the valleys, you couldn't. Uh, but if you're up kind of on like a middle mountain, you could see eh, 500 yards maybe or, you know, not super far, but far enough that you're not going to shoot any farther than that. So I'm like, well, I'll drive, see if I can drive up there. And by the time I get up there, I'll be able to at least see this little overlook area you can see. And if not, then we'll go from there. So I start driving up, get like... 30 yards in and it's probably like a 110 120 yards drive is all not very far 30 yards in truck gets stuff on, stuck on the hill like a drift had blown over and the snow drift is like higher than the front bumper on a, my dad's f-150 Holy he's got like cow. a really nice new 19 f-150 and i'm like 
crap. So I'm like stuck the first morning, you know, and I'm like, well, <laughs> at least there's five other guys out here. And there's like no cell, this ranch has like the worst cell service. Like there's one or two little spots I had found where I had cell service the whole time. Um, but not very minimal at best. And it was usually like, you could only text. You could, I don't think you make a phone call if your life depended on it. Um, so anyways, I'm like, well, I'll just get out, climb up to the top, look around for a bit. And if someone, somebody drives by, I'll flag them down and see if they'll come help me pull out or whatever. It's like, I have shovels and whatever. And so, you know, I get up, get out, start looking around. And like after, oh, I don't know, two hours, probably the, there's some guys parked on the other side of the road and went up the, the hill with the guys, with the snowshoes. And basically there was a taller mountain across the road that was like probably another 500 feet up, like vertically. And then it was like the distance up to it, a little over a mile. I did it another day, so I know how far it was. But uh, so they're up there. And when I see them coming down, I'm like, oh, I'll head down to the truck and flag them. And so they know, like, I'm actually stuck here. I'm not just parked in a stupid spot for no reason. <laughs> and uh, like I said, they're the ones with that ATV. And uh, they're not allowed to drive it on the ranch. So they like had to unhook their trailer from their truck, leave it there in the middle of the road, drive over. They were smart and put their snow chains on before they ever got out there. Whereas I didn't even think about putting snow chains on. I'd never done it before. So I was like, I don't know how to do this. I'm not going to My dad had bought brand new ones just for this. And he's like, don't, don't open up. You don't have to. We'll take them back to Walmart. They're a hundred bucks. So it was a whole <laughs> thing of like trying to avoid having to do this at all cost. And of course I get the truck stuck, you know, 20 minutes into the first day. <laughs> so, uh, luckily at, you know, like I said, two hours ish. And so it's, you know, it's like nine o'clock. It's not past pure, like first thing in the morning, good time, but they all haven't been moving. They, uh, nobody's seen any. So they're like, they come over and help me drag out and get out of there. And then I just drive around for a while. And they're like, yeah, did you see any elk? And I'm like, I haven't seen it. And they're like, we've seen several hundred, you know, or in this group, in this group, in this place, in this place. I'm like, how do you even see them? And they're like, well, you know, tell me something. And so I go keep looking and driving around. And finally, like, you know, five hours later, I see my first elk at like two miles away on the hillside. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm like, the place I'm at is like a mile and a half from the closest part of the ranch. And it's two miles farther away than I am. So I'm like, cool. It's got to go three and a half miles, which isn't that far for them. But it's like, this isn't going to happen in five minutes. This is a two hour process. So... Uh, that all happens. The first day goes by, otherwise pretty, mon you know, not a whole lot happens. Kind of just checking in with everybody else who's basically parked at, the, like, four places you can park and, like, kind of see stuff because it's, you know. The high this day was, like, 20, and the low was negative 10 or so, and it, it hung most of the day in the, in, the in the single digits or low teens. Like, it got Jeez. to 20 for a few minutes and then started dipping back down around 2 o'clock. It was pretty quick. It gets cold up there. But uh, so, you know, checking with everybody and didn't see anything, but like one, that one elk that day. And so I'm like, okay. So I bump into two, two other guys like, hey, you can hunt with us tomorrow. They're hunting together as a guy and his buddy. Yeah, I'm from another part of Denver. And they're like, yeah, you can just drive with drive behind us and we'll figure some stuff out and whatever. And so I meet up with them. And we're going to, at the very south edge of the ranch. So we found like this really good parking spot you could find. And you could really see like a big open area. And this spot's going to be important later in the story too, because it's, it had a lot of cool stuff happen around it. But I mean, it's great part from your car. You can glass really well. And then the walk in, like it only has like 200 yards that you can walk in on the ranch from this gate. But like 70 yards in, you're up on a really solid hill. Okay. You can't sit on it because it's pretty small, but just perfect. Like if you just stand in glass, you can see way better than almost anywhere else on the whole place that you can get to easily. Definitely the best place you can get to easily. 
Um, so we were there a lot looking around. And so that, that morning, uh, the guy with the snowshoes and, um, shot two elk at like 700 yards or just short of 700 yards. And he said it was 686 and 684. Side by side, he had two. two uh, you had the option to buy a second tag, and I was like, "If I fill one, then I can drive back to town and buy the other one. If my wife will let me stay longer and my budget will let me process another one, because like elk processing is like between three and five hundred bucks, like for straight processing, not even like with anything fancy. Right? You do fancy mm-hmm. stuff, you can be in a grand pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like between that and everything else, like yeah, I, yeah, I don't need to have two tags going into this. If I if I get one and it's small, or get one and there's a problem, I can always go buy another one. Like I said, it's like fifty bucks, no big deal. If I have to run back and do that. And so, anyways, the guys, the guy, they chose up front to buy their two. Guy shoots his two, and they spent most of the rest of the till like two o'clock that afternoon getting them out. Uh, they're up on this big hill from basically right by the main place where we first started that had that uh, meeting with. He shot him from up there, actually, and then uh, dragged him down a big hill face with a sled and up over a fence, and it was a mess. We helped him some, get him over the fence and stuff, just because, you know, they weren't super heavy. He shot pretty small cows, but it's tough when they had been dragging him down a snow face for, you know, two hours in a sled, and they just just kept sinking in, and we we were watching them for a bit, and yeah, the the sled would just sink, sink, sink. It would, it would not Jeez. hold very well at all. That sounds like a beating. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that's good. It wasn't me, but I would have loved it to be me at the same time. So it's kind of <laughs> like, well, it isn't me, but it also would have been the best problem to have. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we get back to that low spot way back at the bottom after this about 10 o'clock and we're looking around, screwing around and one of the guys tells the other guy says hey they, everybody else has seen elk I need you to find a herd of elk and he says that to the guy like out of the and then it's like we just been when we drove back down there because they lost some trekking poles that ended up happening be at that spot where we were up on that little hook blast and that's where they left them and we so we walked in there and they said that to him he's like well now that we found the trekking poles you got to find some elk and the guy looks around and not like maybe 30 seconds probably not even that is like boom he goes hey look up on that hill up here and he walks us to it and it's probably it's we later mapped it to figure out exactly how far it is. It's two and a half, almost between two and a half and three miles, and there's just a stream of elk, <laughs> like probably seventy-five at least. Holy cow! This group, and we're just like, okay, well, there's some elk, and they look like freaking ants because we're like I said, we're two, we're almost three miles away, and they're tiny up there. But I'm like, okay, you can see as clear as day how many. Just there's so many up there. It looks like a freaking herd, like, you know, like the buffalo herds you've heard about where, like, the whole mountainside's moving. Yeah. There's this kind of a, like, the way the hill worked, we could see probably about, like, 100 vertical feet, and 75 of it was covered. Wow. And just moving, wow. moving elk. And there, because it was all kind of 75 all bunched together in one really tight group, and they all moved past. And a few more came through. And so then we found a better spot to look at them from, like, off the property about a mile and a half to the east. And they're, work, they're working east to west off of this really big mountain that's, like, between 5 and 10 miles east of the ranch. And so they, they're working across this mountainside. And so we go over to this spot we found where you can just absolutely just see them travel this corridor like crazy. And you we'd sit there, and you'd look, and there'd be, oh, there's 100. There's 20. There's 50. There's 100. And we're, Jeez. like, a mi- mile and a half from them. And like I said, from the, where they are to get to the ranch is about a mile and a half to to the spot you can actually get to, um, to the, like where you couldn't really get to, but if you like really busted your butt and hiked, so you might be able to, they might be like 
a three quarter mile, but you'd be hiking in seven miles in snow. And so you're going to die getting there. So it's like, you know, you have to get them where the road is, or at least not too far from the road because otherwise you're just going to kill yourself hiking in there and you can't, they wouldn't let you camp or anything overnight. So if like, if you did hike in that far, like you're getting up at three o'clock in the morning, hiking in there and getting there at like 10 and then hoping somebody walks by you and then hiking back out of there at dark and getting back to your car at, you know, two in the morning again, probably. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, quite, yeah. It's a good start at five. So maybe not quite that long, but I mean, it, it's probably two mile an hour hiking. If, you know, maybe a little faster than that, if you're really good, but I wasn't, I'm not. So, <laughs> but, uh, so we watched this huge herd and everything. And so, we get to a spot where like, hey, we'll move over to this other, the north edge of the, basically the property is kind of like two pieces. The south edge is like a horseshoe. Uh, and I'll get, send the map to you guys um, when we get done so you can post this with it so it'll make more sense to everybody. The bottom is kind of looks like a horseshoe where there's BLM all around it, but we're not allowed to hunt the BLM. And you and the way the rules work, you could drive across it, but you couldn't hike with your gun. So basically, the BLM might as well be private as well, right? Which sucks for this because it's like normally it'd be great because you could just hike around it, whatever. But mm-hmm. the way these hunts work, you're limited literally to the ranch, and you can't act, can't use the public to access it unless you can drive, which you can't drive anywhere, so that doesn't work. So the bottom's a little horseshoe. The top is like two sections, kind of with a skinny part in the middle. Kind of looks like a like a W ish, but not really. Um, it's kind of the easiest way to explain it. But the the west ed- the east edge of the W kind of split is split by the road. And there's about a about two hundred yards on each side of the road most of the way. Here and there, it gets fatter um, out to like five miles at one point. Uh, but basically, the the section you can see them the best in is like two hundred yards on two to three hundred yards on one side of the road, and like a half mile on the other side of the road. And the easier side to get to is on the the two hundred side of the road, two hundred yards side of the road. So it's like if you're over there, they got to be next to you, like ver- like horizontally. They can't be past you, or they're probably getting off property before you ever get a shot. Anyways, so we uh, get back, and there's a dump, um, kind of in between the two. And we were told, like, hey, if you're not seeing anything, go look at the dump because they'll be there eating crap because that's what they do. <laughs> and uh, so we're like, okay. So we go hang out kind of by the dump. And it's the dump is at right at another road, County Road 8, that's not plowed. And so everybody's like, oh, 8 looks cool. Maybe we'll go down it. Maybe we'll, we'll hike down it. And so a couple of people would hike down it. And they saw elk down there. So we're like, well, we'll park up there. And we know this big herd's coming this way. And by the way they were moving and everything, they should be, that first herd we saw of 75 to 100 should be here in like 20, 30 minutes. And if we see them get to the dump, we'll haul down this road. You had to go about 200 yards on foot to get to the ranch. And we could jump the fence and then be legal. So like, well, we'll get to here. And then if we see them at, you know, a half mile away, you can, hopefully run fast enough down this road that you can uh, jump a fence and be legal by the time they run, you know, a mile or over a mile. So we, uh, we parked there and then uh, up the, up the hill, we hear a shot. We're like, Oh, that's us because they know what hunters hunters up there so we're like oh that's got to be somebody in the group on the, on the other edge so we drive up there real fast and he had bumped one of the guys had bumped a herd i was like on a hillside uh, right across the road um from where the guy shot the elk that morning and so we're dri- i'm driving up and i see one lone elk on the side of the hill so i pull over real quick and it happens to be 
a gate to the ranch right there. So I'm like, okay, I got to get out of the truck, get my gun, <laughs> load my gun, run, jump this snowbank that's like to, on me, it was like belly button high. Run 15, 15 yards on that, jump the fence, and then I can, then I got to get like 50 feet off the road from there. And I was, at that point, I was like, I'm going to be about 45 feet to the fence. I got to get seven feet past. I just wanted to be safe. I was like, so once I get in, I'll take five steps, call it good. So I'm, I'm running. I jump the snowbank. My back, my right foot catches the snowbank, face plant. Oh, man. <laughs> Straight into oh, man. And these two other guys I've been hunting with, they're in a different car, different truck behind me. And so they're coming. And so when I face plant, they get there, luckily. So I'm like, face plant. Get up. And so they are out of their truck, and they're running. They're just ahead of me in the process because where they parked farther down didn't have as much snowbank. So I'm like, well, they're almost to the fence. I'm just going to range. Because at this point, it's like Operation Kill and Oak. Who gives a crap whose it is? Um so I pulled my range finder, and I'm like, 270, 271, 275. And uh, they're get, they get across the fence, and they're to my right, probably about 20 yards. And then, of course, they're 70 feet off the road or so at this point because they got across. They moved forward a little bit, and just their angle was not great. And so the way these hills worked, like I had the perfect angle the whole time. As soon as they get like where they can see her right, She's totally skylined. Whereas I still had a backdrop because there was a different hill on a different side mm. that was like 10 feet above her. But for them, for the angle, even they were, like I said, 20 yards over, that hill didn't exist for that. So they're like waiting, waiting, waiting for her to step either down or go backwards or whatever. And she was all by herself because she just got scared of the scripts. So we're like, well, she'll just hang out a minute. So I start sneaking forward a little bit, hoping she'll just hang out. And then she just bolts. So I'm like, well, I'm back over here. I'll go get my truck and try to whip around and we basically have a quarter mile of property left and then a little bit on both sides of the road. So like, well, I whip down to the end of the property, jump out there, jump that fence and on the far side and hope she just runs to me. Well, I get started and she's already across the fence and the crossing the road jumps the fence, jumps the neighbor's property and long gone. Like, okay, well that didn't work. <laughs> so it's like, dang, finally see an elk that we can actually shoot. It's legally, it's on the ranch and everything. So it's like first legal elk and we're both like, feeling great and seeing so many elk and that's at like three o'clock so there's still a little more time so i'm like well where she is she's got about a half mile about two miles to go and she'll be on that bottom section right where we can see her so tomorrow morning we'll hike road eight if we don't see anything more sign or wise or whatever so we drive we'll drive back that way just to see maybe if she ran down to the bottom too fast and she didn't she kind of got stopped up and we can kind of see where she is. So now we're like, well, let's check that dump again and see if that other group showed up because we haven't seen them yet. Sure enough, there they are, <laughs> hanging out, eating on the dump. There's up on top of one of the hill. There's three cows and a like three by four, maybe four by four bull, chilling. And uh, and then there's like a, another fifteen or twenty cows on the this side and twenty cows on this side. Three walking closer to the road, and I'm like. Well, if they cross this road and come another half mile across this way, then I can maybe see them. And then I can shoot them if they go another mile. And so it's like, okay, that's not going to work out. And it's already 4 o'clock and sundown's at 5. So I'm kind of like, well, I'll just watch these elves and see what they do the rest of the day. So that's the end of the day Sunday. And so everyone's feeling really good. We saw an elk. We had a legal chance. There's a bunch moving. They've been moving like crazy all day. And we'd seen probably a 1,000 total elk. And so we're like, sweet. Going into Monday, everyone's like, Today's the day. We're gonna we're gonna limit out today and knock this thing out and go home. So we get so get up, everything, get out there, same plan. We're like, we'll meet down here and we'll go up to that just kinda drive the road from there 
meet down on the bottom side and then drive up from there kind of piece by piece looking at it. So, uh, nothing, 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 nothing. So after like, you know, it's nine o'clock now, kind of main movement time slowing down. So I'm like, well, I'll just go over to that spot on the, where we can see them where they're three miles from the ranch still, but we know where they are. Get over there and there's, you know, five, seven, you know, not very many. So I'm like, okay, well, that other herd must have moved through. And then I look back at the dump and there's 70, the 75 are still there. So I'm like, cool. They didn't move last night. <laughs> like, well, they just like that trash or whatever is there. And you could, it did have better grass growth than everything else. Cause it, I don't know if it was the heat from the dump or what, but there was definitely less snow cover there than any other place on the whole that you could see just a, it must have just been the trash, the heat from the trash, or that the vehicles are moving around there, like big, you know, dumpsters and stuff. And then, so the dump is on Road 17, and so it's plowed from Road 7 to to the dump, which is like a hundred yards. Well, past that, if we could drive up 17, we could get into another huge area we are allowed to hunt there's a huge the eastern edge of that w i was talking about is up there but it's like two miles up that road to get to the very edge where we can hunt so i'm like i'm not going to walk two miles on a road to be able to and then have to walk two miles back if something happens um at least because you know basically two miles gets me to the property line and then it's another you know ways from there to get somewhere worth going so the whole time we're like if only that stupid road was plowed, we'd, we'd have a whole nother 5,000 acres we could hunt or something. It was crazy. So anyways, Tuesday, Monday kind of goes by and don't really, no, no elk move where we need to be. And so everyone's kind of like, well, we saw a bunch Sunday. There's still a bunch today. Nothing's really moving. We'll have to get a little more pushy tomorrow. And the guys I was hunting with, they're both, they have to go home Tuesday at like noonish or before. Um, obviously, they got an elk. They would have hung out till that was done. But so we're like, we got to, we got to be a little more pushy in the morning and kind of get to a spot. And so we devise a plan where there's another road that goes up around the very north edge and you can, it just barely touches the property way over on the northeast corner. And so we're like, we know part of it's plowed. We're going to drive that after the first initial light, you know, about after nine o'clock, see how far we can get and hope that we can maybe see something way on that edge and get over there. So we do that. And of course it's a total bust up there. It's just giant bulls, just snow everywhere, blown out big old bulls and canyons. And it's like, Oh, you can see a ways and there's a bunch of land, but it's just snowpack. Like there's nothing that everyone would want to walk through here. And you're looking around and there's no tracks anywhere. Yeah. So we drive back down um, to our south edge spot where we are on the way down to the south edge spot and uh the, the guys are driving in front of me this time and they stop on the side of the road and they're looking up at this hillside and i'm a little bit behind them so i slowly creep up next to them and we're where we're looking is like a mile east of the very southern edge of the property so it's like if something's there we might be able to make a play on it or at least get somewhere where they can make a play if it, if it comes to us so I drive up to them and they go, hey, there's wolves up on that hill. And wolves in Colorado is super rare. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I pull my binoculars out and I just see this one black flash move by because it literally had moved right as they told me where it was and I got up to them. So I'm like, well, I, I can see this valley where we can kind of see them. There's two antelope running. So I'm like, I bet you they're going to go where if I drive up this spot further up, I can see them really well. So I drive up there, pull my binoculars and that, like they're about 1,100 yards. And boom, there's just one jet black ginormous wolf just sitting in the middle of this field kind of just standing there like what's up boss i'm i'm, I'm the big man and i mean he is 
big. Dude. That's crazy. Real big. Like, that's it looks like, like a freaking full-grown deer. That's like bucket list right there. Just yeah. seeing something like that. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. So he's just sitting there. And then another one walks below him. A little, not quite as jet black, but black with a little bit of white striping. Walks by him. And then they uh, they go off. And then two more walk through. So I saw two for at least three, because one of them kind of seemed like it may have circled back, but there were probably four. And like I said, they're kind of chasing these antelope, and uh, it was crazy. So it was like, okay, well, now we know why we're not seeing any elk today, because this is, you know, this is a mile from where we can hunt. Yeah. And they're, where they're patrolling is, you know, the main, one of the, it's the southern main corridor. So it's like that, that spot's screwed for the rest, for the rest of the trip, no matter what. Yeah. Right. And so there's, there's like no way that's going to happen. So I'm like, okay, well, we, we all kind of decide, well, we need to go back up to the north side. And so we're like one last ditch effort. We'll drive up there, hike up this little hill where you can get off the road and see a really long ways. If anything's running our way, we'll be set. Another guy's lurking. It's like 945 and they're like, well, we're going to leave at 11. So they're like, we got like just enough time to get up there, do this. And then they're going to balance if they don't see, if we don't see any help. We'll get up there. Don't see any elk. And so they're like, okay, see you later. Say bye. You know, they get out of there. And so now I do a little more driving around on the north piece. See nothing. Nothing's moving. Everybody else left. I don't know if it was like everyone's like kind of like only three of us saw the wolves. So I don't know how everybody else like unless they saw another pack or something. We had seen what we thought were wolf tracks a couple different times when we hiked in places. Because, you know, it's a coyote track that's the size of your the palm of your hand or bigger isn't, isn't a coyote. You know, they're. Yeah most of them were bigger than the palm of your hand like that that's no joke no for sure so we're like well maybe and you know this is we're like 30 miles from the wyoming border so it's very they're just moving down from Wyoming. there's nothing weird about it or anything it's just what it is and so finally i'm like well it's one o'clock i haven't seen anything so i'm gonna just park on this one spot where i can see really well eat some lunch hang out and look around for a while so i do that for an hour and a half till I get really bored. My wife texts me like, "Hey, when are you coming home?" And this is this is Tuesday. And technically, season goes through Wednesday, but you know when I had told her that I saw a wolf and whatever, so she kind of probably figured like, "Hey," it's, and she and then she's like, well, "You know, stuff's going on here. You know, kids, whatever." And I was like, "Well, okay, I'll go home." So at that point, I was kind of like, "Well, this place is shot unless something crazy happens." And everybody else had already decided to leave, so it was like, "Oh." And the other thing that happened that more that after they left is I drove to a different spot and drove down that road eight because people have been driving down at all. This is Tuesday morning. People have been driving down on Tuesday and so uh, all morning. So I'm like, okay, I can drive down it and I could until I tried to turn around and then I got stuck. Uh... And at this point I'm like, Oh crap. Cause those other guys left and I don't have cell service and whatever. And then these random guys from like black hell's energy or something. Thank you guys. Uh, drive by in a, a tracked uh, Polaris, like a UTV with tracks on it, with a little winch. And so they pull me out the first time, and they're like, you just keep driving. You should be good to get back out. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going out, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, uh, if you get stuck again, we'll uh, we'll be back in a bit. We're just going up to this oil well that's half a mile ahead or whatever. I forget exactly what to say, but then, okay, so I start driving. And I'm like, um, maybe three miles, maybe four miles in this road, probably about four miles. And I get about 200 yards and the truck high centers again. So I'm like, and I'm like, well, I know they're going to be back. So I'm like, I'm just going to glass a little bit here and see if I see anything. And if not, I'm just going to start digging the truck out. So it's easier when they get here and have them pull me out. So they get back and they're like, we got a tow cable in the truck. We'll drive back and get that. And so I'm like, okay. 
So I know it's like three miles for them to get back to the truck and back. And they're going like maybe eight, seven miles. So, you know, it's going to be, I'm like, oh, it's going to be an hour probably till they get back or close to an hour. Yeah. I'm like, okay, no big deal. And of course, like, you know, 10 minutes pass. I'm like, oh, getting a little nervous. 15 minutes pass. I'm like, I know it's going to be a while, but I'm still getting nervous the whole time. Like, I got my dad's truck stock, I have cell service. I know everybody else left already. If these guys don't come back, I am going to be digging with a shovel for the rest of the day and probably longer than that because I've got to dig out of this hole and then the next hole and the next hole. And, you know, the last mile of the road is no big deal. But I was like, I got to go two two miles till I'm going to be for sure good. And so finally I see him coming back and I'm just like, yes. (laughs) I put the shovel back in the truck and they pull me out and – they're like, we'll just stay attached and drag you till it gets to the good part of the back of the road. I'm like, that works. <laughs> like, I'll go real <laughs> slow. You. I won't bump you guys. Promise. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I'm real happy that they'll they'll pull me out. So we uh we get driving and we're moving. You know, eight miles an hour, seven miles an hour, whatever. I'm like, I don't care. I'm moving. That's great. Get back to the spot. Unhook. Whatever. Go back. Drive up to the road. Tell them thanks. And then I go sit up on this hillside and sit around or whatever. So my wife texts me and I'm like, Well, I got the truck stuck. Uh, I luckily got it out by some dang miracle. I know if that happens again, there's nobody coming. Like if I get stuck somewhere else, I'm screwed. And uh, so I've used up all my luck between seeing wolves and getting the truck unstuck today. I'm, yeah, I'm going to go home. Yeah. There's, something's going to happen at home if I don't, or something's going to happen to me or this truck or, you know, so I'm like, yeah, that'll kill me if I, you know, if I break the truck or whatever. So I'm like, it's time to go home. So I go back, grab all stuff out of the hotel and check out. And, you know, of course it's like five o'clock when I finally get, get out of there and everything or close to five o'clock and they're like oh we got a charger for the night i'm like fine like my kids are messed up at home i gotta get home whatever and luckily for some reason the lady felt sorry and didn't charge me for it i don't know that was a miracle but um you guys didn't hear that if you worked for that hotel (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it was you know so it was pretty crazy so i'm driving home and you know the whole way home i'm like okay well that was fun and whatever and so i didn't tell my wife what's going home because i was like you know she'll get pissed that i'm coming home early and whatever because you know that's how it goes so she calls me at like an hour later like hey how are you doing whatever i'm like yeah doing good she's like is that the truck i'm like yeah i'm blood i'm almost to steamboat she's like oh so you're coming home i was like yeah <laughs> so she found out anyways and i was like yeah i'll be like eight after the girl after the girls go to bed don't keep them up for me you know get them to bed before i get home whatever so it worked out really good kind of in the way because then i still had two more days off of work because of course i took the the end of the season and i always take the day after I'm supposed to get back off in case I'm packing something out at you know if you shoot something at last night on the last day you're getting done at midnight and then in this case I would have been driving five hours home you know in the middle of the night getting home first thing in the morning probably actually would have just parked the truck somewhere taking a nap but right and so I was like yeah I'm not gonna I always take the day after off just in case something happened so I basically just kind of worked like four hours out of those two days after all this had family time. So it worked out real good in that regard too. So earned a bunch of brownie points back for that. All I burned all <laughs> being gone for five days. So yeah, it worked out good in the end. Well, man, that's a, obviously it's not the end result that anybody wants on, on a trip. I know, I know from a guy coming from Texas, you know, that's never hunted late season Colorado. Your story just taught me a lot about what hunting late season Colorado looks like up there. Um, and I, I did have a couple questions for you. The the first yeah, one, I know it. you, I know you mentioned that, uh, one of the guys was out there taking elk. I think you said at 700 yards or something like that. Mm-hmm. What kind of firearm do you carry 
and what is your comfortable range in that environment? So my my setup, I'll break it down, um, is a Seiko A7. So it's a it's actually I got a review on our website too. So definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, so it's a Seiko that they stopped production on probably eight years ago now or so. Um, I bought them like bought it like the year or two before they were had them stop production. Cabela's had them on clearance. I think they knew what was coming. Um, but it's a seven mag, so it's um. Uh, composite stock ultra lightweight with a fluted barrel so it's like super super light if i remember right it's like 2.9 kilograms which is like six pounds so it's like ultra ultra light rifle especially in a seven mag um and the 300 wind mag weighs like exactly the same so if you're looking for something um in a magnum they're excellent magazine box magazine fed team take them out so it's three three plus one um magazines are super expensive so if you do buy one buy one now um then buy an extra magazine because if you lose it it'll probably be way worse right now they're like 94 dollars from beretta slash seiko directly i'm sure whenever they stop selling them it's going to be 200 bucks or better for those bad boys so wow that was a christmas present i got last year was an extra mag that was one of the best ones i've gotten in a long time it's <laughs> <laughs> the reason i got my deer this year so that was uh that was great so they yeah. just swap mags and make it happen so that was that was pretty sweet but uh so that's it seven mag with fluted barrel and then for optics i have a loophole uh vx3 um it's the vx3 generation it's not the i it's not the hd so it's two generations bad two generations back at this point um in the loophole vx3 series it's a three to ten so, uh, by 50 millimeter I'm a big fan of having the bigger optical lenses because um, you can really get a lot more light and you can really see. Yeah. And realistically, more than like 12 power magnification, you're not going to use a whole lot for elk, deer. You might for antelope because they're pretty small, but for, for bigger critters, you're not going to use a whole lot more than 10 um, magnification because you need to be able to see you know more than just the patch of fur you want to shoot. You'll see the whole animal and kind of what's behind it and everything. So it's really like a ten power, and also then it's the same power as my binoculars. So it's really nice to be able to like go from one to the other, and you know the zoom looks the same. So there's not like you know like my brother has a twenty, I think it's 12, fifteen or twenty power scope on his rifle top end, and so it's I think it's eighteen. But anyways, when he zooms it in, he's way ahead of his binoculars that are tens or twelves. Yeah. So it, it looks way different everything so that's one thing i definitely at least think about is how how much can you really bury that and make sure you see the same thing no and so my my range i would say is probably like ideal conditions so no wind or at least very minimal wind probably 500 um with that rifle for for elk and deer and everything it's got plenty of power at that point so i'm not worried about that i shoot the hornady eldx 162 grains and they're i mean they're freaking lightning in a bottle they fly really well they're excellent yeah uh, my drop chart's great to deal with so it's it's i it's i'm on at 200 like two inches high at 100 i think five if i remember it's 39 down or it'll drop 39 so it's like back and then you know just above the back hold to get the bottom of the the heart so it's not bad at all yeah and 500 and then um let's see that's that pretty much my whole rig and then i've got a really nice custom sling uh, that i have for it awesome well good deal sounds man. good 
Last question I got, I know you mentioned several times or a couple times the the cell service being poor out there and then, you know, obviously a concern at the end that was played a part in your decision going home, you know, you're the last one out there if something happens, you know, you're kind of kind of screwed at that point. Um, do yep. you carry any kind of satellite device or anything like that in the event of an emergency? So I haven't before. It's definitely on my like I need to buy this and be done with it list. Um, knowing like how my life is going to work this year and how I'm not going to get to go hunting a whole lot. I'm not going to worry about it this year. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, definitely if I ever, when I go up there next, like in 23 or 24, I will, uh, I will have one. I'm sure I'll hunt up in that area again. I love doing it. You know, it's just this beautiful open sage flats. So it's like, you know, peaks and valleys and sage for miles. And you can see so far, I mean, you can see five miles regularly, no problem. And so it's just, it's, definitely a different kind of beauty that a lot of people don't think is beautiful like it's this you know sage sage flat seas and i would definitely say that it's either loved or hate if you if you yeah. like that kind of hunting you can you know you're definitely gonna have to have good glass because you're you're glassing you know i was picking out elk like been able to tell is that I may mean, not a legal bull but is that bull got at least probably two or three or four points or is it a spike at you know a mile a mile and a half with my binoculars, I got the Swarovski EL 1042s. And, uh, you know, the other guys were, were able to tell that's a bull. And I was like, okay, that's a bull with at least three points uh, at that distance, <laughs> nice. which is which is pretty nuts, you know, yeah, at a mile awesome. and a half. Then I will tell that with binoculars, not even your spine scope. And so, now for this hunt, it obviously didn't matter, but it was still fun to look at because, you know, when you get to see thousands of elk at a time, yeah. you know, that's a pretty amazing experience regardless of all of it. So, for sure. Yeah, the reason the reason I asked that question is again I I don't like uh, turning our casual conversations into ads or anything, but we did just partner with a satellite communication device company as a affiliate for us for twenty two Zolio. They've mainly had a market up till now for um, kind of just general hikers and outdoorsmen and you know folks that are out there in those kind of environments hadn't hadn't had a whole lot of major publicity in the hunting market yet i feel like and we're trying to help them get a little traction in that area got a couple guys using their products right now been uh been pretty happy with them so far they work seems to work just as effectively as any other product out there and uh a little more budget friendly than some other big names out there not to talk bad about any anybody out there but i mean we all know price plays a factor you know at, at the end of the day so that's always something to consider but anyway zolio they're on our website you guys can go check them out and see what you think but nick you got anything for tim after his series of unfortunate events <laughs> no no that it, it sounds uh oddly familiar like like it sounds a lot like my season just like i, I was gonna nothing, say nothing really worked out you know waiting until the last minute but at least you got to you got some cool experiences out there out of it so yeah there's i, I know it seems like there's a bunch of us who are kind of in that boat in the season was either uh either packed with challenges or a bit of a learning experience or a little bit of both and uh nick yep. i know you i know you got a uh i know you got your own story and frustrations and we're we'll unpack that on a, different, on a different podcast episode um and save that for our listeners but um definitely a, good. an interesting story on that one too but yeah tim man i uh Sorry that you didn't fill an elk tag, but man, it sounds like a pretty, 
pretty crazy experience and it sounds like one that you learned from for sure so yeah i definitely learned that if you're ever going to go lake season hunting you better bring something with tracks either a snowmobile or an atv even if you're not allowed to have it because you're gonna need it to get out of your get your truck out of the road if nothing else <laughs> and uh you better bring snowshoes better have like five guys on standby to come dig your truck out you know <laughs> figure out the local labor department whoever the local labor you know service guy is and call them and say hey, i need you to come to dig my truck out <laughs> uh, a, satellite, a satellite communication device just in case yeah, you don't have self-service <laughs> absolutely yeah, i think so that that's definitely going to be on my list going forward for sure yeah um, you know it's it's too hard not to and forever the price has been the issue so yeah definitely gonna have to look at these oleos and figure that out yeah for sure definitely recommend it well guys um i know we're we're well into our time for this evening or or this week for our listeners sake um tim i know we normally unpack uh in our podcast with you some some draw stuff and everything we can i know you've been talking about doing a separate podcast coming up uh a little bit little bit as we get farther into the year and closer to that time uh to talk about some of that stuff and we can we can certainly unpack all that then if you want um and get into all that unless you got anything brief to mention yeah just i guess the only brief thing would be uh if you want to hunt turkeys in colorado the deadline is february 1st at eight o'clock mountain time so we're coming up and i think that's a week away whenever this podcast drops or less so yeah definitely keep that in mind and then uh i still don't have the big game book out yet i think it's going to be mid-february so whenever that happens we'll, we'll figure that out yeah early march we'll get back on here and have a long long chat about all the fun stuff oh yeah that'll be good for sure guys yeah, yeah. I'll be on that one too, cause cause I'm gonna try and make it out there this year. So you should. Hey, we, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if you guys can make it up with me. I I think it's gonna be a little bit harder to draw tags up by my farm this year, unfortunately. So we'll see what happens. I know this year I'm probably not gonna get anything. Cause that's the way it works. Well, that's true. Especially for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tim, thanks for joining us and, and sharing your story with us uh, today. Really appreciate it. And Nick and I will catch up with you again uh, after that big game book drops, like you said, and we'll dive into all that. We'll make it a plan. Sounds good. Guys, thank you all for listening to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. If you guys have not already, hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. We're on all major podcast platforms as well as our website, fallobsession.com, and our YouTube channel. Head on over to that YouTube channel and be sure that you hit that subscribe button on there as well because we're dropping uh, frequent videos of uh, all different kinds of subject matter, uh, trying to roll some stuff out for you guys. And I know even as we head into the offseason right now, we have some plans for some series and some videos that we want to produce follow us on the other social media platforms facebook instagram twitter again that youtube fallobsession.com is our hub that's our website that's where you guys can go to find all of our content we have educational articles wild game recipes our video series are on there as well um you can shop our apparel we are trying to get some hats back in it's been quite the journey for me trying to coordinate all that with all the shortages and stuff trying to get the same designs and the same products but finally got some at our vendor right now having 
having our logos put on them. So those should be back in our store very soon. Uh, FallObsession.com slash podcast is where you can listen to our podcast on our website and also where you can provide us feedback. And right now, uh, I believe this is episode 89. So we're coming up here in a few weeks on that episode 100 mark. And we want to hear from you guys as far as what you want us to talk about or questions that you want us to answer, topics to discuss during that episode. It's going to be all four of our Fall Obsession administrators on there for that podcast. First time we've had all four of us on there for one at the same time. So if you have any feedback or questions, like I said, for episode 100, you can send it to us through that page, fallobsession.com slash podcast. Finally, like I mentioned at the beginning... Our podcast is partnering with and driven by our friends over at Ridge Rock Hunt Company, Derek and Lacey over there. They uh, have been very good friends to us. We've really enjoyed um, getting to know them and our relationship with them over the past couple years. Excited to see where this partnership goes. They book hunts, and they will hook you up with a vetted outfitter in North America for whatever you're looking for, whitetail, elk, antelope, mule deer, you name it, turkey, they got it. Um, so be sure that you go over there, check them out on social media. Again, it's Ridge Rock Hunt Company. Um, go to their website. Their phone numbers are on there. You can call them right up. You can get Derek and Lacey on the phone right away, and they will get you hooked up with your next adventure at a price that works for you. So go check them out. Gentlemen, thank you all again. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, that was fun. All right, we will catch you guys again next week for another Fall Obsession podcast episode. We'll see you all then. See you later. Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.